Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. On this episode, I continue updates on the Long Island Gilgo Beach Killer. I have a follow-up story on the body found on the Berkeley campus. I further illustrate the flaws in Carly Russell's story. And I cover a bunch of other stuff, including a crazy airport story. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound Live for July 24th. 2023. All right, everyone, it is time. It must be nine PM Eastern. In the East, this is the live show for July 24th, 2023. Hope everybody had a great week since uh, we were all here last. And uh, as many of you know, this is uh, the second week that we are using StreamYard so um went very well last week uh no complaints no problems it's going to be uh a continuing experiment uh continuing experiment until uh i feel comfortable with it uh it's a little hard to um work on some of the things probably some tweaking and things that i need to do because uh maybe you're already realizing even though i have the background all blurred out is that I am not in Florida. I am, in fact, in Pennsylvania, seeing my dad. I've been here since uh, last Wednesday morning, and we've been having a good time, been having uh, some good food, and uh, doing the traditional things that um, uh, I we usually do when I'm here, which is one of those things is always to... Uh, visit the cemeteries. So uh, last Thursday, um, went and saw my um, aunt and uncle. That would be my aunt, who is my dad's sister, uh, who is deceased. Her husband is deceased. Went and saw all of my grandparents' uh, burial sites. They're buried in two different locations. And also went to see uh, where my mother is buried. And also got to see my headstone that my dad has already bought for me, which is really, really, really creepy. But to know that he did that is to know my dad, I think, pretty well. <laughs> so um, get more into that in a moment. And I do, of course, have an airport story for all of you. Um, maybe that shouldn't be any surprise being that... Uh, I had, uh, you know, just something about me going to the airport and things that is just weird. 
But um, before I get started, want to remind everybody to believe, please give this thumbs up. Uh, if you're whether you're on YouTube or you're watching on Facebook in the discussion group or wherever else, I hope that you will uh, give this live show the recognition that it deserves. And if you're not yet a member of the Facebook page, please like it, please share it. If you are on Facebook and you'd like to get into the discussion group, which is where the show is also playing right now, please uh, go there, request to be let in. And myself or one of the administrators will let you in as soon as we get the notice. And if you'd like to contribute monetarily to what we do here at Unfound, of course, patreon.com forward slash Unfound podcast. For any of you that are watching on YouTube, of course, you have the super chat button if you'd like to loot use that. And then tonight, being that I haven't uh, talked about this link in a while, you can see in the overlay for this video tonight, if you enjoy uh, this content, please go right now to paypal.me forward slash unfound podcast, and you can easily contribute that way. And also, maybe you want to check out the Unfound store, unfound-podcast.myshopify, not my spread shop, my spread shop. Dot com. That's the old address. Unfound-podcast.myspreadshop.com. All right. So got a, uh, a good show. I'm going to kind of um, be going over some things, follow-ups to things that were discussed uh, last week. You could probably already see it in the title. We're going to go over the Gilgo Beach slash Long Island uh, serial killer. More information coming out about that. We're going to go over this uh, young woman again, Carly, uh, Carly Russell, who we now know for sure fabricated her story about uh, being kidnapped and everything. But we're going to, now that we know for sure, for sure, for sure that she was lying, we get to have an opportunity to further our education about situations like this. What, what are we looking for when we hear stories like this? What are kind of the um, tip-offs and what can we learn, you know, knowing that Carly Russell was not kidnapped and that she made it all up? What can we learn about that? You know, with us uh, who are into um, disappearances like we are. I also have a story. Uh, I want to do some following up from last week. It was breaking news last week, but now... We have more insight into the acquittal of Michael Turney. I want to go over that again in a little more depth because last week it was just happening not long before the live show happened. And now we have some reporting on it and maybe a better understanding. And I also want to talk about this uh, 13-year-old who went missing, allegedly living off the grid. So i got a lot to cover tonight, but um, I want to tell you this uh kind of funny uh airport story i've not told anybody um this story yet but uh of what happened to me last technically i guess technically wednesday morning uh when i was at the airport now you should know that last week when i went to the airport my flight was taking off at 6 30 a.m from tampa 
And I was thinking, you know, what are the odds of being able to get an Uber at like four in the morning or something? And I decided, you know, maybe it'd just be cool to spend the night at the airport. You know. And I do have a fascination with airports. I like being at the airport. I don't really like flying. But I do like the atmosphere and all of that. And so I thought, you know, why not? Why not get, just get picked up at like 10, in, 10 the, the night before, get there maybe around 11 and just kind of hang out, you know, and I'll watch something on my phone or, or, or do whatever. So that's what I did. And it did not go as planned, <laughs> of course. First of all, what I quickly learned when I got there is that I was flying Southwest and Southwest will not let you check in just any hours before your flight is due to take off. So I get there at 11. My flight's not taking off till 630 morning. So it's seven and a half hours. They would not check my bags that far from when the flight took off. What then also me meant was that I could not go from like the land side terminal over to where the actual gates were. So I had to stay in that area like right there, you know, when you get out of your car or whatever and, you know, sit in one of those places. And there's a Starbucks and everything else. But that wasn't exactly, you know, what was going through my mind. And in... So this guy told me that at the the Southwest counter and I was like, he goes, you'll have to come back at like three in the morning because that's when they open back up. That's when the Southwest counter, I guess all the counters at the Tampa airport open back up three in the morning. And I think I told him, okay, I'll sleepwalk uh, to get back here at 3 a.m. So I had like four hours to kill or something like that. And as soon as I found a place like to hang out, I kind of thought, this is not a good choice. Because here's what I'm going to tell you, at least what I learned about the Tampa airport, is that the airport has homeless people. People who are obviously not flying anywhere, who are just kind of hanging out, at the airport because there's a place, you know, of course they have benches there and chairs there and, and restrooms there and a water fountain there and it's air conditioned and everything else. See, this is something that didn't totally register me. Of course, um, had I been able to go over to the actual other side where the gates are, where you need actually your ID or a passport or your ticket or something else, this could have all been avoided. So essentially, I ended up spending the night at the Tampa airport surrounded by a few homeless people. It's a true story. So there's that. Once again, I knew within 20 minutes of sitting down that this was a bad idea. But I just, you know, and I had like my computer bag, I had my disc golf bag, and um, I had my clothing bag. And I was going to be checking the disc golf bag and the clothing bag, and I was going to take, I always take all of my computer stuff onto the plane. You think I'm going to let that, any luggage handler handle these computers and stuff, you're crazy. 
So I had to keep an eye on three bags. What it also told me, knowing what I was seeing around me, there's no way I can take a snooze because I might snooze for 20 minutes, wake up, and all my bags be gone. This I'm not even to the good part yet. So I get comfortable, and what do I start watching is old Hawaii 5-0s. I love old Hawaii with Jack Lord. Love them. They're spectacular. They're just so good. Maybe because it really reminds me of my early childhood. And I can remember when that was like a new show on TV. And it ran from like 1968 to 1981 and all of the 70s. And I remember watching it, maybe being at my grandparents' house or something, watching it. You know, it really brings back a lot of good feelings. And I love it. And so I, you know, and I found, uh, what is it, on um, Paramount Plus, all of the Hawaii 5.0 episodes are on there. So I have my phone. It's fairly charged up. I have my bags. I'm in this comfy chair. And I have my headphones. And, um, you know, I just start watching my phone. You know, I'm just chilling out. And, uh, you know, trying to track down some of these Hawaii Five episodes that I, that maybe I haven't seen or I don't remember watching or whatever. And I think I was like in season five or six or something like that. So I'm sitting there for a while. And all of a sudden, out of the core of my mind, as I'm watching, I see this guy come from my right. And I could immediately tell that he was some kind of tweaker. You could just tell he was just, you know, just, you know, just completely zinging. You could see it in his eyes and everything else. He was walking kind of slow and everything, but you could just tell. You could just look at him and tell this guy is not flying anywhere. The only reason he's flying is because he's on drugs. He's flying from the drugs. He's high on something. He's not taking a jet anywhere. But this is, you know, like I said. He has like scabs on his legs. He's scratching them. Luckily, you know, he had a shirt and shorts on. He had red socks and he's walking around in the airport. And you could tell, I mean, like I said, not the worst or homeless person I've ever seen, but you could tell he's not flying anywhere. He's hanging out at the airport because like I already said, Free water, free bathrooms, comfy chairs, air conditioning. And maybe in the meantime, he might be able to rip somebody off or something. So I'm like just minding my own business. And he's walking around and roaming around and stuff. Well, he finally starts coming my direction. He gets over to me. And I'm like, son of a, you know, what's going to go on here? So he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and I kind of, I don't even take my headphones off. I just take it. I was like, yeah. And guess what you, this is, this is so stereotypical. You, you know, you can't even believe it. It's like, Hey dude, do you have any weed? (laughs) True story. True story. That's what he said to me in the airport at like midnight. And remember airports are federal property. And he's asking me if I have any weed. <laughs> I just shook my head. And, you know, you know, you, I mean, a lot of you know how I feel about that stuff. But I went, no, 
and I put my headphones on. Well, he starts talking to me. He's standing there talking to me. He's not um, threatening or necessarily or anything, but I'm listening to Hawaii Five-0, and he's talking to me, and I can't hear a word he's saying, and he can surely tell that I can't hear him. I'm looking at my phone, you know, I'm like there like this or whatever. And I got the headphones on and but I I can see out of the corner of my eye that he's just blah 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 whatever he's saying. And so I once again took off one of the ears of my ear, headphones and I said, "I don't know if you know this, but I can't hear you." And he says, "Yeah, I know." And he sits down beside me. Sits right down beside me, like right here, right here, right here, like right, like I'm watching and he's, I'm watching my phone and he is right on the other side of the phone and he's continuing to talk to me. And and to to this day, you know, uh, what is it? Five days later, I really don't know what he was saying. I mean, just to see his expression and twitching, and scratching, and everything else, and his eyes darting all over the place, and everything else, I really didn't need, I'm sure it was something having to do with a government conspiracy, or, you know, uh, or something like that, can almost guarantee it. So once again, after a couple minutes of him just talking to me, and everything, I take, I I said, once again, I said, you know, I can't, are you going to sit here, you know, I'm not listening to you, I just said it to him, you know, I'm not listening to you, he goes, yeah, I know. Okay. So I resolved, you know what? I'm not saying another word to him. And this went on for about 15 minutes. I'm not exaggerating. Me sitting there, keeping my eye on my phone, watching Hawaii Five O, and this tweaker feet away from me, looking at me, talking to me, even though he knew I couldn't hear him and was not listening and did not care to hear what he said, and he knew I wanted him to go away. So, you know, and the funny thing is, you know, in a retrospect, at least once some security person walked by, didn't think a thing about what was going on there. It didn't occur to this person that, okay, there's this guy sitting there with his headphones on walking to his phone. And then there's some guy like right, you know, maybe uh, five, six feet away, five feet away, who's talking to him. And it's obvious that the guy's just going, you know, just tweaking, you know, mania or whatever else. Person just surely heard this guy just kept walking. So that's the kind of security you get at the Tampa airport. So finally, after about 15 minutes... I don't know what did it. Uh, You know, I really, like I said, for those last 15 minutes, I was just stone faced, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, luckily, um, you know, maybe it's just part of my genetic structure or something. I could just ignore it. I, my heart wasn't racing. I wasn't nervous. I wasn't afraid or anything like, you know, I wasn't like, is he going to jump over me and try to punch me or anything? You know, that really, did something was not that I, I really didn't contemplate that. I wasn't really too worried about that. You know, he didn't look like he had any weapons on him or anything, but finally he got up 
And he <laughs> Uh, well, Carrie, I'm going to get to that. Uh, maybe I should include this. But finally, after about 15 minutes, he stood up. And he wanted me to shake his hand. He got up and put his hand forward toward me, like like right here. And I just said to him, dude, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. And I didn't even take my hands, uh, headphones off to say that. Uh, he put a stuck his hand. I go, dude, I'm not touching you. And he sauntered away. And for about, I'm going to guess the next half hour at least, he continued to kind of roam around and go talk to, he didn't s- talk to anybody as much as he talked to me. But he went to talk to some other people who I think also made the mistake of staying at the airport all night. But he was just wandering around, no different than you'd see in some, you know, homeless area in any part of the United States. Just wandering around. He'd go away for a while, then he'd come back. Wander around, go away, come back. Obviously not flying anywhere. With his red socks, and he, he actually, I actually saw him, he didn't do this to me. But I actually saw him go over to talk to somebody else who was kind of across the floor there, maybe, uh, I don't know, 50, 60 feet away. The guy actually took off one of his socks to show the person this some scab or something that he had on his foot. And then it seemed to get to about like one in the morning and uh, he was gone. I and Who knows where he went. But once again, though, I wasn't going to fall asleep. So I was, um, I stayed up till three in the morning. So that was, that's the story. Now, as far as Carrie bringing it up, he might've been your number one fan. I have to admit when it first happened, when the guy came up to me and although I pretty much had him pretty much pegged from the first time I saw him, I was thinking, you know, um, maybe this is somebody that knows me or knows the podcast or something at I was at least open to that. But as soon as he started talking, I was like, no. I was even thinking maybe it's some hater out there who uh, hates Unfounder or whatever else. It wasn't that either. So, (laughs) once again, never again. It seemed like a good idea. Now, granted, once I, at three in the morning, I did go down to the Southwest and everything went fine. And I went over, took the tram over to the other side. And I was the first person to go through security that morning. First person to use uh, the, the the radar x-ray, the x-ray machines at the Tampa airport on that morning. But, and after that, it was fine. Because once again, you know, those kind of people, they need a pass. They need an ID, everything. They can't get over to where the planes actually stop. And so then it was fine. Once I got over there, it was like, quarter after three, three twenty, and then you know, I still I still didn't sleep all night. Um that was fine. And had I been able to do that from from the beginning when I got there, it would have been cool. But I will tell all of you, you know, I, I, I don't know what other airports would be like, but maybe if it's like an airport where they have more international flights, so flights that land at Weird times like two in the morning, three in the morning, which Tampa is an international airport. 
but you know it's not like las vegas it's not atlanta it's not any of the it's not lax it's not like the new york uh airports or anything like that that might be a little interesting but other than that i would never tell any of you and uh to go to the airport you know and stay overnight given what i experienced so there's that so that is my uh crazy airport story uh and, and you know it's one of those things um uh, i i just i think it's fortunate that that i'm a guy i think that um you know i i don't know uh i don't know what this guy would have done um Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know, if I was a, were a woman or something. So, I don't know. Like I said, I wasn't a f- scared or afraid or anything like that. But it was like, this is just great. This is exactly what I need at, at midnight. This is exactly what I need. So, there you go. That's my airport story. Let's now see who's everybody who's in here. Uh, now that we got that out of the way. And uh, we'll get into all the true crime stuff for the rest of the show. Hello, Karen and Melody, Charlotte, Nephew Charles, what's going on? Glenn, Deborah, what's going on? The Real, Tracy, Stacy, Carrie, Kathy, Marty. Marty had a birthday yesterday. Uh, yeah, Carrie says hi to Dad. Yeah, Dad Denzel is right over on the other side of that door. Hello, uh, Stace Jasmine. Twinkle, great to see Twinkle back in. And um, Carrie has a family support person. Oh yeah, Carrie. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to that. Uh, young Ms. Russell. Um, who else is in here? Uh, Carrie says they lose bags enough. You wanted to give them seven hours to send your bags to Tim back too. Yeah, luckily all of my bags got here to Pennsylvania just fine. Uh, Stacy Zoe, oh, I will have to remember this if I become homeless. That's funny. Twinkle says you made an adventure out of that. Uh, I guess, actually, technically, somebody else made an adventure out of it, Twinkle. But yes. Hello, Facebook user. Uh, hello, Lisa. Yes, he did get my attention. Carrie, yeah, poor Ed. Hello, Patty. Mark and Indy, what's going on? Making friends wherever you go, Ed. Yeah, that's... Yeah, if that's making friends, I don't want to see what making enemies is like. And uh, Sheree wants to thank anybody. Yeah, we went over 16,000 subscribers a few days ago. So we are continuing this push toward 20,000. I know it's a very, very lofty goal. We may not get there. But if you are not yet a subscriber to this YouTube channel or the Facebook channel, how about we try to get to like 10,000 shares or likes uh, for the Facebook page as well. How about we try that as well? So if you're a Facebook uh, user and you've not yet gone to Unfound's Facebook page, go there, hit the thumbs up if you could on that too. 
Uh, Kerry, he was certainly not my number one fan. Uh, might be the first time Tweaker has been so said on this channel. Uh, I don't know about that. That's a pretty common uh, word. Sure, you, maybe you've heard me use it in private before. I think maybe I've used them on the live show before. But that guy was a definitely something going on. And uh, Twinkle, I've passed out Ed's Bedroom's car. Thank you. Charles, overnights at the airport sound like a rough scene. Uh, it's totally fine if you can go out to where you're playing, you know, where the gate is. Otherwise, I would stay away from it. Mark in Indy says, I worked at the Indianapolis airport for years. Airports just attract strange people, and it was almost like a homeless shelter during bad weather. There you go. So I'm not, I'm not wrong. Thank you, Mark. Uh, yes, I did the old big three nine, Marty. Ought to be thirty nine again. Tampa Airport is not the place to be. Ferry, what's going on, Leah? What's going on, everybody? Thank you for all joining in tonight. We have a spectacular showing of people this evening. So that's the airport story. Let's move on to all of the true crime stuff. Uh, as I'm, uh, I will start in the place that I usually do, and that is the poll that is conducted in the uh, discussion group every week. And let's go to those uh, that place and um, see what the results are for the poll at this time. And boys are getting warm in this room. I'm going to have to open that window again. Um, all right. The poll, all right, here we go. Here is the poll that was put into the discussion group on Saturday morning. What happened to Betty Tepfer? The choices were a stranger picked her up. Her son picked her up. She got disoriented and walked off. She returned home and something happened there. And she took another bus to another, to some other place and disappeared all on her own there. Those were the five choices that I put for the poll. And in the discussion group, the most popular choice was she returned home and something happened there, meaning her son did something to her, but not until she by herself chose to return home that day somehow. Uh, that got 81%, and in distant seconds, tied where she got disoriented and walked off, and she took another bus to some other place and disappeared all on her own there. So that is what the discussion group said. I'm going to open this window very quickly. Hold on just one second. So didn't realize it was going to get this hot. Okay, maybe get... Uh, a little breeze uh, going through here. Maybe I'll open this door. Maybe. All right. Yeah, I can already feel the cool breeze coming in here. Very good. It's a, it's a beautiful Pennsylvania night, by the way, out there. It is absolutely perfect temperature out there. I wish it was perfect temperature in here. But that was the number one choice. She returned home and something happened there. Now, on the Think Tank, and if you'd like to um, be part of the Think Tank, patreon.com forward slash 
Unfound podcast. You know what it is. And um, it was uh, that was not the number one answer that she returned home and something happened to her. We certainly talked about her son, talked about him quite a bit, but that was not the number one pick. Uh, the number one pick was disoriented and walked off or she took another bus to places unknown. Um, Foul play, at least in the think tank, was not a very popular choice. Uh, For me and the blog that I write at patreon.com, once again, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. And you can sign up there to read my blog every week for only $2.00. A month, uh, I concluded that she did catch uh, a bus there. That's what, you know, the way I reasoned it out was that's the reason really nobody remembered her. She got down there, she took one bus, she got on another bus, and then went missing. And, you know, given the state of her house and everything else, um, you know, we we have to be open to the idea that something was going on there that maybe she didn't have the, the mental faculties that she used to. And I'm going to check something right here. That does not have a screen. Let me go over here and check this. Hold on one second. That one doesn't have a screen. So I'm going to have to lower this window a little bit. This room in the house is always, in the summer, it's the hottest, and in the winter, it's the coldest, no matter what you do. The rest of the house is beautiful. In here, it's, like I said, it's either hot or cold, the the opposite of what it should be. What are you going to do? So the blog that I wrote, the way I reasoned it out is the reason she wasn't seen is because she did get on another bus. The problem, you know, but I start thinking... Maybe she got on the wrong bus or maybe she got on the right bus, got off at the wrong stop. And that's how she went missing. Uh, That's how I reasoned it out. Can certainly understand why a lot of people are suspicious of her son. Of course, he did go missing for a few days. Something that I forgot to include in the original airing of the, uh, of the episode, and you should know, I I um, uploaded a new version with a very very small part put into the summation. That something that was not mentioned during the interview is that after Betty went missing, it was discovered that um, the son had been using a cash card that was meant for Betty. So anybody, you know, who's thinking that he did something to her, that I guess that end lends even more credence to that. But I included that, uh, I, and I just did that today. I uploaded a new file. So if you were to go and download that to your podcast app or whatever, again, the, the end is just going to be a little different. And I also changed the uh, YouTube video as well. Once again, it's just 20 seconds or something like that. But... Uh, I, I told Mary that I would include that in my summation that I forgot and I remembered it today. So I had to go back and change it. So a lot of reasons to think that her son Russell was involved. 
I have to admit for myself, and like I said, in the think tank, not many people are convinced of that. However, in the discussion group, it's the exact opposite. So there you go. Um, let's see what everybody uh, is saying here. Uh, Carrie says, I'm torn, but thinks she just wandered off mental incapacity. Uh, Cherie, thank you for posting the link. Angie, what's going on, Angie? Good evening, Unfound Friends. Good evening to you. Sheree asked, did you see that Pennsylvania murder that recently got solved from the 1970s? Little killed girl killed by her preacher as she was walking home, 83-year-old arrested. I did not see that, Sheree. Um, Marple Township, 1975. I don't even know um, where that is, Sheree. It doesn't ring Marple. The wrong bus, the wrong stop was my guess, too. Uh, Lisa says, I remember my mom getting lost a few years before she died. It's so scary. Yeah. So, Lisa, you have uh, personal experience with that. Thank you for sharing. So that is Betty Tepfer. Uh, as I stated in the episode, she is the oldest person ever featured on Unfound, at least oldest at the time of her disappearance. And uh, I think another reason that I defaulted to that is because as all of you know, uh, I read Unfound or I read Missing Persons News every day. One of the first things that I do when I wake up, I'll do a Google search for any disappearances over the past 24 hours, anything going on in news regarding that. And when you or when I run across an older person, let's just say above 70, maybe 75 and it's a disappearance case, this is usually what happens. They're walk-offs. They usually are. Um, although I don't have any stat stats on that, maybe one of these days I'll have time to put it all together. Uh, like I said in the summary of Betty's episode, um, certainly 75-year-olds, 80-year-olds, 85-year-olds can be murdered. Certainly, they can walk off, of course. Certainly, a lot of different things uh, can happen to them. But it does seem to me that a large majority of them are not foul play. And it's people, whether they they don't know what they're doing, they're walking into the woods, but they think they're walking through a store or something. You know, they've lost the mental uh, capacity to understand what they're doing. Or maybe they're just suicidal. Maybe they have health issues going on. They have this going on, that going on, and they figure this is one way to end their lives by doing that. Just my insight. So there you go. Um, Betty Tepfer, and yes, that is how you pronounce her last name. T-O-E-P-F-E-R, not Topfer or Tepfer, Tepfer. All right. Let's move on to something else. I want to go right to Carly Russell. Let's, uh, this is a, this is a follow-up from last week. Now, if all of you or some of you or most of you were tuned in last week, you know that from the, I told you, from the time that I heard it happened, I thought it was fake. This young woman is lying. There is no way this happened. Uh, and I said that despite, of course, a lot of YouTube channels out there, for example, jumped onto the bandwagon and posting the video and saying, I'm seeing somebody else in the video. Don't you see that shadow and everything else? As I continue to tell you about media in the United States, 
They'll tell you any S-H-I-T you want to hear. They will tell you anything that you want to hear. And that comes from the movie Network. So let me read this to you. Alabama nursing student Carly Russell admitted Monday, and that is today, admitted Monday, July 24th, that she wasn't abducted earlier this month as she apologized for the bizarre hoax that sparked a massive two-day search. There was no kidnapping. My client did not see a baby, Russell's attorney, Emery Anthony, wrote in a statement. Anthony's confirmation was read by Hoover Police Chief Nicholas Durzes. Neither Anthony nor Russell were in attendance. My client did not leave the Hoover area. My client apologizes for her actions to this community. Carly asked for your forgiveness and prayers. Uh, Okay. Russell, 25, disappeared on the night of July 13th. Shortly after, she called 911 to report a sight of a sighting of a toddler wearing a t-shirt and diaper walking barefoot down route 459 in hoover she initially told police she would stay at the scene but then dropped off the grid when she was heard screaming during a bizarre call to her sister-in-law after a two-day search the alabama nursing student showed up at her parents door on july 15th she was taken to a hospital where she was treated and released She agreed to one police interview, but subsequently stopped cooperating with the investigation. Durzis said Monday it's unclear where Russell actually was for the 49 hours she was reported missing. No charges have been filed at this time. After return, investigators found that Russell Googled the action film Taken, which stars Liam Neeson as a CIA agent racing to save his daughter from abductors the day she disappeared. Searches also revealed that Russell looked up one-way tickets from Birmingham to Nashville and whether victims have to pay for Amber Alerts. Russell, however, doubled down on her story and initially told police that she was abducted from the side of the road by a white man with orange hair. The obvious flaws in the would-be victim's narrative was seemingly confirmed when she was fired from the Woodhouse Spa in Birmingham and her boyfriend deleted all evidence of her from his social media. So the boyfriend's, you know, um, you know, we can't rule out the idea that the boyfriend was a part of this. We've been a little pissed off, mainly because so many people took so much time off to search. Woodhouse owner Stuart Room told the Post last week of Russell's co-workers' reaction to her traumatic experience and reappearing act. Russell stole a robe and toilet paper from the spa just hours before she went missing. She then stopped at a local Target store for snacks, which were not found in her vehicle after she vanished. The only thing I can say is I want everyone to stop bullying her. I know what it seems like she did, what she did, to stop bullying on social media, Russell's boyfriend, Thomar Luttrell Simmons said, who previously defended her against detractors, told the Post over the weekend. Yeah, that's what you heard. Tracy says, yeah, I heard uh, she bought snacks at Target. Yep, I mean, if you're going to buy snacks, buy them at Target. On Monday, Crime Stoppers of Metro Alabama revealed that it would not refund those who contributed $63,000 donated or to the search for Russell. The investigation is still ongoing, and accordingly, there is no basis to refund any contributions at this time. Furthermore, the Hoover Police Department has not requested for any donor contributions to be released and funded. See, this, this, you know, now that I'm reading this, this popped up in something else that was like this. Where Crime Stoppers 
collected money. It was turned out to be a hoax or something. And Crime Stoppers decided to hold on to the money. Maybe Cherie or maybe Carrie or Kathy. Maybe you remember that story. It's I know I talked about it on a live show within the like the last four years. Maybe some of one of you might remember that story. I can't remember what it was. Maybe it'll ring a bell for one of you. The Crime Stoppers, it, I don't think it was in Alabama. It was somewhere where they collected this money and they wouldn't give the money back after it turned out that it was all just a hoax. I don't know if this had to do with Sherry Papini. I don't think so, though. I think it was something else. If it rings a bell, Stacy saying it was probably Sherry Papini. If one of you wants to take the time to look that up, I would appreciate it. But there's something... Uh, going on there. This just seems weird to me. Uh, you know, what are you doing, uh, Crime Stoppers? What are you going to, you know, she, Carrie Russell uh, has admitted that she made it up. She's okay. She's not missing anymore. There are no suspects. What are you doing? So, um, but then Bob Copas said, hold AL.com last week, that some larger contributions had already been returned. The $25,000 put up by the Birmingham Board of Realtors and the $20,000 offered by an anonymous donor were refunded. The outlet said, now he got a moth flying around at him. In an emotional interview with NBC News last week, Russell's parents said their daughter fought for a life during alleged ordeal and that she was not in a good state when she returned home. Thus far, Russell's parents are not being charged in connection with their daughter's hoax. Durses said Monday. So, like I said, there was just so many weird things, as I stated last week, regarding this young woman's, you know, story. You know, all these cars going down the road, and she's the one that happens to stop. And she's the one that happens to get abducted. And then you have the video which shows that, um, you know, there's nothing going on here. And that she made it all up. And she's the only one on the video. And all the other headlights of all the other cars don't show anybody, uh, adult or child, walking along the road. And it showed that she was on the side of the road driving with her flashers on for quite a ways before she stopped. On and on and on. And there's a mosquito right there. Should put some screens on these windows, Dad. Um, so what a mess. So what can we learn from all of this? Uh, let's see what uh, everybody is saying. Um, yeah, forward slash Sharon. Uh, need that toilet paper, don't we all, Diane? Stacy uh, says she got her nails done. This, uh, Carrie says this encourages others to do the same crap. Um, Stacy said she had a husband and kid, Sherry Papini. She did. Carrie says, was it the Papini case? I think it was. Sherry Papini is the only one I know that you're describing. Okay, Kathy. Yeah, Sherry Papini branded herself. Thank you, Stacy. Veronica, hello, everyone. Carly will forever be known as a thief and liar. She had help. She just didn't want to get them in trouble too early, asking for forgiveness. Everything agrees with Vaughn Veronica. Carrie said, uh, Tampa, Florida is 2017. Walgreens employee called in a female tied up. She called a law enforcement, not crime stoppers, so they refused to pay. 
I don't think that's that is my area of the country, Carrie, but I don't think I'm thinking of that either. But you know, Carrie, I know you have uh wow. I know you have experience with 911 and these types of things. Would you say that uh this crime stopper situation uh is common? Where they they collect this money and then they don't want to give it back even when the situation is resolved. And it was shown to be, um, it was shown to be a fraud. I just wonder. This sounds, it sounds very, very shady. This is one of the reasons, by the way, we don't allow any uh, petitions or anything like that, GoFundMes or anything like that to be put in the discussion group on Facebook. That is the reason, among many others. It just, you know, I start to wonder, uh, you know, is the shady? Is it real? Is it going to the right people? All this type of stuff. And that's why it's nothing. So, you know, if you can't trust Crime Stoppers with handling money, then who can you trust? So that's one of the reasons. And I know people come to me. Well, you, um, you need to allow GoFundMes to be put in the discussion group. The answer is no. And it's always going to be no. Um. Uh, Carrie says, absolutely not how it works in my area. Okay, Carrie. Carrie, a tip is a tip and payable regardless of how it comes in. Stacy, there was a girl who didn't finish college and everyone thought she did. So she had that happened actually in Pennsylvania, Stacy, um, probably about an hour and a half from where I'm sitting right now. Uh, Carrie, most of ours requires for the tip that leads to the arrest, add conviction of and conviction of Sheree. If you call 911 and not Crime Stoppers, you won't get the money. Yeah, I, well, I guess what I'm saying, Sheree, is why don't why doesn't Crime Stoppers just give the money back to everybody who contributed? It, you know, it sounds to me like this is like a money making exercise for them. You know, then I start wondering, you know, then you know, Crime Stoppers actually wants people to fake it. They're actually profiting, I guess, off of fakers. Like this young woman, it doesn't seem right. So, all right. Uh, Kathy, my brother has tried to get dollars through a GoFundMe with a fraudulent story twice. It didn't work for him. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kathy, Veronica, I'm confused why the money won't be returned. She said she lied. All the more reason the money should be returned. Shree, they should. It's like a side scam to me. I agree. That's what I'm saying. This sounds scammy. It sounds very, very scammy. I, in fact, what it reminds me of is like when the police go in and they, they go into some place and seize the cash and then never give it back. You know, there's no proof that the cash was there because of a criminal proceeding or anything else. And a lot of innocent people have had their cash stolen from them by law enforcement and they have a hard time getting it back. It sounds like that. And I hate that too, by the way. That that is horrible. So I'm not just I'm gonna have to maybe look into that a little bit more. This whole crime stopper situation, but it does seem to me there was a it wasn't Sherry Papini because it also Sherry Papini's I think extended too long. This was something that was much shorter, like what we're talking about here. And crime stopper says, "Nope, we're keeping the money." You know where are they all going? Tahiti. On a vacation or something. I don't know. 
Carrie says, because they use that money for the next incident. Well, maybe. But they're going to put that money in the bank and they're going to earn interest on it and everything else. And it just sounds, I don't know. I don't like it. Uh, but in my honest opinion, Carrie says, the person who created the fake situation, Starwood, should be required to pay it back themselves. They said they should. And I think Sherry Papini's going to do that. And then as, uh, who said who wrote this up here? Uh, Stacy uh, said, "I think that young woman is going to have to pay back all the work that was put into finding her as well here in Pennsylvania. They can't earn interest on the funds." Okay, I don't know. It just sounds just does not sound very uh, ethical to me. But okay, uh, what can we learn from this? First of all, what we can learn is these kinds of disappearances continue to be rare. All right, despite, um, you know, these disappearances like Mar Murray, of course, we don't know what happened there, or Brandon Lawson, we do know what happened there, and many others. This disappearance was not stranger on stranger crime. There was no crime, except the crime that she committed against, <laughs> you know, lying about what she did and everything else, which certainly crime. These kinds of disappearances continue to be very, very rare. People randomly being, uh, you know, abducted and, you know, and, and carjacked or whatever else, stranger on stranger crime, rare. Now, there are the exceptions. Sure, like um, that police officer that was shot on his way home that one night, there was a limb out on the road and he stopped uh, to uh, move it to the side of the road and he got shot. I realize that there is a thinking out there that somebody maybe could have predicted that he would be the one that we, you know, I, I would really have to know more about that uh, police officer's patterns and habits and things to be able to predict that. But I have to tell you, I'm inclined to believe in that situation that somebody just did some kill for thrill thing. I'll put a, uh, limb out in the middle of the road and whoever stops first to move it, I'm going to shoot that person, no matter if it's a police officer or whoever else. So these things are, are, are rare, but still that's not even a disappearance. That's a murder. And as we learned, as we continue to learn after seven years of doing Unfound, is that well, there are many disappearances that we covered that we believe to be murders, but certainly on the whole, you know, we look at it, comparison, generality to generality, just general disappearance and general murder, they're two different things. So, so what, number one, these kinds of disappearances continue to be rare. Number two, running off is hard. What is unclear here is why, you know, she looked up going to Nashville and, you know, these other things, these kind of other searches that she did before she went missing. And the big question is, why didn't she follow through with any of that? I don't know. Hard to say. But it should, I think, remind us, despite Robert Hoagland uh, from, you know, finding out what happened to him. I guess that was last year when that transpired. Um, running off is hard. <laughs> Even for a young woman like this who did Google searches and everything else, trying to plot her way, running off is hard. Uh, Carrie says she should be just in a checking account dedicated to rewards. 
Sure, you agree, Carrie. Carly should have to pay restitution at the very least. Coffee. The baby boomers are aging. I wonder if we will see more cases like this in the future. I hope not. Uh, you mean uh, Betty Tupfer? Uh, coffee could be. Uh, the population in the United States is getting very, very old very quickly. Hello, Deborah. Uh, as well as GoFundMe accounts. I, Deborah, I think that uh, Coffee Lover is um, talking about Betty Tupfer, I think. Veronica, those scammers take notes from Carly of what to do and what to do. There will be more hoaxes, people. You can't kidnap yourself. Uh, Veronica, yeah. This is why, uh, as uh, Carrie has already said and some others, um, the book needs to be thrown at this young woman. Um, you know, I hope that 20 years from now that we can say that Carly Russell has matured to being a fine human being and everything else. But for now, she needs to have the book thrown at her. And it very well may be the only way she becomes a mature adult is if the book is thrown at her. Surely. Um, Betty, I have trouble spelling your last name. That's okay, Coffee. Me too. Carrie, she should absolutely have to pay restitution. She'll be charged with every crime they can possibly charge her with. Carrie says, makes me sick to my stomach for all the attention help she got when others can't get the same. Uh, thank you, Veronica. Sheree, Angela's daughter went missing and then was found murdered, and she was out there leading the search while suffering lupus and relieving the trauma, reliving the trauma she suffered. Yeah, for certain. Right. And then I think something else uh, that can be learned from this is People believe these stories that the Carly Russells of the world will tell because they want to believe these stories. Uh, I, I, the more I do Unfound, uh, you know, I, I think as any true crime podcaster out there, I keep it real as much as anybody. Okay, I think, you know, we don't go off into sensationalism and land and kookville and everything else, like I know many kind, not it's not their regular things that they do, but, you know, we know that a lot of true crime people out there do stray off into those areas much more than I ever will. But the truth is, I think a lot of people believe these stories because they want to believe these stories. Like Sherry Papini, there, I mean, there were certainly a lot of people who didn't believe her. But I would also say an unusual number of people did believe her. They really wanted to believe that they're, you know, and maybe it's for racial reasons or something. But they wanted to believe there were two Hispanic women just cruising around waiting to pick up uh, a white female jogger. And, you know, I, I would say that I think the reason so many people fall for Sherry Papini's and Carly Russell's and, and the like is because too many of the people in the media push these stories forward. And I'm glad that it's all coming out that this was all, uh, you know, a lie. But, you know, I have to admit, uh, you know, I think the doing Unfound, I have a lot of different roles to play here. 
besides podcaster and interviewer and reporter. You know, education uh, is a big thing for me. And, you know, I'm trying to educate all of you and anybody who also listen that, you know, the realities of why disappearances happen in the United States. And when I see that so many people wanted to believe Carly Russell, so many people believed Sherry Papini, and we know there are many other stories like that, maybe not as well known as Sherry Papini's, but you know what I'm saying. It's just, I think, because the, the general public has been conditioned to believe a lot of things that aren't true. They don't understand the nature of why people go missing, the main reasons why people go missing. Moreover, there's no critical thinking that goes on here. People just, you know, hear a story like this, it automatic belie- automatic believe it. They automatically believe it. There's never at least two minutes of taking, you know, does this really make sense? And I'm going to get this with another story here quickly that actually does involve you know, Unfound. But does this really make sense? Could this really have happened? Was there really a little kid walking out on you know, a highway? And all? Like I said, I think people, it comes to a point of willful, willful ignorance. And I hate it. And as you know, I, I'm trying slowly and slowly and slowly to educate all of you and all of the, you know, the millions of downloads that Unfound has had since 2016 on teaching everybody what is the nature of a disappearance? What are the natures of disappearances? Why do they happen? And being able to tell a real story from a fake story. And, it's, you know, and, uh, you know, a couple people who... I don't even think they listen to my podcast and know they're friends of mine, but they're not really into that or anything. Totally fine by me. But a couple of them did contact. I mean, people who have, I've, you know, maybe never talked to about true crime or disappearances ever before there, you know, but I know them, you know, maybe fellow disc golfers or whoever else. I had a few of them contact me because they kind of know it's my thing. Hey, Ed, what do you think about this Carly Russell thing? Uh, you know, from the first day. So it got a lot of people's attention outside of the true crime community and i just wrote one word back to all of them fake (laughs) and the story had only been out i don't even know for 24 hours and even i knew it's fake but it seemed to me they and the general public i think that they were very open to the idea that it was true and so where where is that critical thinking for the public out there I don't know. I'm not making fun of these people, but you know, it's it, you know, it is a little um, it is a little strange because I, you know I think these are perfectly fine, intelligent people. Um, uh, Kathy says it's terrible when any person plays on emotions and sympathy for others for fraudulent means. Uh, everything agrees. Uh, okay, Deborah, there you go. Uh, you're not wrong, Ed. Thanks. I was skeptical about the Sherry Papini disappearance. I think I remember you being that way, Coffee. Shree, uh, the first clue was that an abductor would not know that a 24-year-old woman would stop, so that made no sense first. The very beginning, Shree, true. 
Absolutely true. This is why, you know, this is, you know, kind of, you know, sure he has an assistant. You take an interest in, in true crime information, you know, stuff anyway, even outside of helping me do the podcast and everything. But you're a critical thinker. And you think about these things. It's just amazing to me how many people don't. Tracy, I guess I'm very skeptical and always have a lot of questions. A lot of things make me go, hmm. Yeah, I remember. And Tracy, remember that song from like the 90s? Things that make you go, hmm. There you go. Carrie, same, Ed, same. Several reached out, asked my opinion as well, but mostly after she was found. This was even before, uh, Carrie, I can tell you for me, it was before she even come back. People had emailed me. And, you know, Ed, what do you think about this? Fake. And I got to tell you, I'm so happy when I'm right about these things because, you know, I feel like I'm learning something, you know, I, I know in my spidey sense, I can trust my spidey sense somewhat. And dare I say it, you know, for all of these people who really don't listen to the podcast, are really not into it. And then they contact me because they, they kind of know that I do this thing and I get it right. Then I, you know, it proves to them, you know what? You know, Ed really is an authority on this topic. So that makes me feel good too. All right. So um, Carly Russell. Now, you know, why did she do this? You know, is she having some sort of mental breakdown? I'm open to that. But given that she did all these searches and everything, it doesn't seem like it. Uh, Could be wanting the attention. Uh, dare I say they could have, you know, this boyfriend that's come forward is speaking, could it have something to do with that? Was he breaking up with her and she was looking for sympathy from him? I don't know. I don't know, but, uh, given that I know that relationships are their number one cause of disappearances, I have to then default to that when I hear a story like this. That something was going on in her relationship with this guy or something. Maybe, you know, he was breaking up with her or something. And she decided, oh, yeah, well, you're going to feel sorry for me or else. But um, still don't know why she did all these searches for these other things and didn't follow through. Uh, Twinkle says all about the boyfriend. So Twinkle is agreeing with me. And Shree also says... The boyfriend. Okay. All right. Getting back to something uh, connected to Unfound. And uh, some of you maybe in the discussion group saw that this was going on. And and so bizarre, this would go on when I'm not in Pinellas County where I live. But there is a uh, a diving group uh, volunteers called Sunshine State sonar and they're very much like chaos divers adventures of purpose and they go around in the state of florida and going into lakes and rivers and canals or wherever else and seeing what they can find and they happened to be in my part of town in pinellas county even though i'm now up in pennsylvania but they were there the end of last week and they were looking into oh my goodness the disappearance of, let me get this right, Brenda Starr. And I'm not going to get into all the uh, specifics of her disappearance, but she went missing from Palm Harbor, Florida, way back in 1995. So 28 years ago. 
And Sunshine, Sunshine State Sonar was in the area trying to find her car because Brenda and her car are missing. And this does seem to be a uh, a disappearance for probably it's uh, the man said type of disappearance. Well, they were in the Tarpon Canal, and I know this canal well. Why? Because it runs right along the side of a disc golf course that I've played not a lot, but a few times up there in what they call Oldsmar, Florida. So I'm familiar with this canal. Well, they were down in there, and instead of finding Brenda, or at least Brenda's car, and the reason they're looking in that area, she lived very near there, they found a 1970s-era Chevy Vega, probably one of the junkiest American cars made in the 1970s. And unfortunately, somebody in the Sunshine State Sonar crew decided to go directly to their Facebook page and post that this car could be connected to the disappearance of of Peggy and Patty McDaniel. Now, of course, now you know why I'm talking about this. This is a disappearance that Unfound covered very early in its uh, Unfound's existence. I think many of you know that Joyce Rivetuzo and I, the mothers of Peggy and Patty, have become very good friends. I met Joyce a few years. Uh, what was it? 20, I did meet her in 2017 at the Florida Missing Persons Day. That would have been December of 2017. Seems like yesterday. Uh, I continue to keep in touch with her. We talk on the phone every few months. And I didn't even know what was going on. And I don't think that Joyce would mind me, you know, I'll say some of this. But on Saturday, on Saturday, um, I'd done some things with my dad. And then that evening, I went down to my former hometown of Leechburg to see my one of my best friends of all time, Brad. And we had a great time. But Joyce called me on Saturday distraught. I don't think she'll mind me telling you this. Because she had heard this news about Sunshine State Sonar. Now, what, what was the reason that Sunshine State did this? Well, there is a portrayal of Peggy and Patty's disappearances that the guy, one of the guys, there's Ed Gross... When he was interviewed back in 1979 about these women, these young girls' disappearances, what did he say? He told police they drove off Peggy and Patty in a white Chevy Vega. Now remember, if you've not listened to that episode or watched it yet, please go and do so. It was really a landmark, at least early on in Unfound's existence, because unfound is what put those disappearances back on the map in Florida. And if some of you uh, are much newer to unfound, but back in those days, you could go. Now, if you put Peggy and Patty McDaniel's names into Google now, you'll get all sorts of stuff. When I covered that disappearance, I think it was in April of, um, 2017, if you did a search for Peggy and Patty McDaniel, you would only get one of their pictures. 
But by the time that December rolled around, it was due to my coverage. And then there's a woman named Ray Lynn who really took an interest. And she's been following up with things. And she and I have actually talked about what went on this weekend. So we went from April of 2017, where I think everybody, law enforcement, and everybody else had forgotten about Patty, Mc, Patty McDaniel, to December, where Joyce gets recognized and her daughters get recognized at the missing person's bed. It went from nothing to something that was very well known in a, you know, a very short amount of time. And this is really saying something, given that th these disappearances happened in 1979. So Ed Gross back in 1979 said that they drove off in a Chevy Vega. Well, Ed Gross is like the number one suspect in their disappearances, and he shouldn't be trusted on anything. And I don't have the time to get into all the details. Once again, if you've not listened to that episode yet, go and do that after the live show is done tonight. But because of what he said, and it got into the paper, Sunshine State Sonar, all they did was parrot what Ed Gross said from 1979. And so the people at Sunshine State Sonar put two and two together and got five. And said, this could be the car that Peggy and Patty McDaniel were driving when they disappeared. And so you can understand. And they just put it on their Facebook page. They don't know Joyce Rivetuzzo. You know, I'm sure the people at Sunshine State Seven uh, Sonar at the, that time didn't even know these two girls' mother's name. But there they are posting on the page, this is what it could be. You know, these two girls weren't missing. Now, remind you, this is coming from Ed Gross. There's no reason to trust him. He's, dare I say, he's surely a killer, surely a liar. Not to mention, Peggy and Patty were last seen five hours away from where the Chevy Vega was found in the Tarpon Canal. You know, where I live is the Clearwater, you know, Tampa area. That is where the car was found. They went missing way down near Miami. So... You know, I just don't know, you know, what's the limit on this? It, you know, but they went right to Facebook. And, of course, it got, got them a lot of attention. You could go see that post and everything. Should have never posted it. And, of course, being that I'm the one that knows Joyce, and I don't mind talking to her. I'm here to help. But Sunshine State Sonar sure gave me a lot more work than I was intending to do on Saturday. They made Joyce Rivetuzo distraught, and I'm the one that had to handle it. Now, like I said, love Joyce. You, Joyce, if you're watching out there, you know. But this kind of stuff should not be done. And this goes back to kind of what I was saying about Carly Russell. There's no way. If Sunshine State Sonar or any other diving company is going to continue to do this, there's no way that she, they should just post something onto their Facebook page about a disappearance when the disappearance occurred five hours away. 
I mean, what's the limit? You know, they find a, uh, you know, if they were to find a, a the Jeep, a Jeep in that Tarpon Canal, if they would have found a, you know, a Jeep from the early 2000s in that canal, would they think that Audrey Heron, would they think that it was Audrey Heron's disappearance? Because she went missing with her Jeep. Is, you know, how far do we want to take this? It's It's crazy. But dare I say, this is what happens when when people get involved. I have no problem. I mean, I don't have the skills, you know, to be a scuba diver, although I did have my paddy license way back in the day, but that was like 20 years ago. I don't have the equipment or anything else. I surely respect them for doing that. But regarding insight into disappearances, they should stay out of that. But as I, you know, stated sometimes with Adventures with Purpose and some of the, these people are just too much into the marketing side of all of this. They're just a little, little too quick on tooting their own horns. I think. You know, they just, you know, rushed right, you know, the car is found and it's like within an hour they're posting it on Facebook. Not thinking about the ramifications of doing that. And these types of people need to be more sensitive to that. Because I'm here to tell you, Sunshine State Sonar, you caused Joyce Rivetuzo to be distraught on Saturday. And you owe her an apology. Because it's, as it, guess what? As it turned out, as I predicted, they pulled the car out of the water. And there was nothing in it. Nothing. Nothing. And as I posted on the Sunshine State Sonar page, there were 2 million Vegas. Now, I understand this one might have been a, uh, a, a station wagon, which then lowers it. Still, Chevy Vegas were one of the most common vehicles made in the United States in the 1970s. One of the most common. It was an economical car. They ended up being junk. They had engine problems, transmission problems. They were junk. But Chevy made over 2 million of them. So what are the odds that that diving group or any other diving group randomly, five hours away from where a disappearance occurred, would just happen upon the very same Vega that may or may not have been involved in Peggy and Patty's disappearance. The odds are astronomical. I'm not going to say they're Powerball odds. And Mega Moons, by the way, is $820 million tomorrow night. I suggest you play. But they're pretty unlikely. The odds are pretty, are pretty, pretty, pretty low. I don't, I don't, one, one in a million, I don't know. Because as I stated, given that there were so many Vegas made in the United States, and given that so many of them were junk, I anticipate there were probably 100 Vegas in bodies of water all over Florida. Probably. People junking them, drive them into water, you know, whatever. I, I, I got to predict that. But Sunshine State Sonar... Um, could not wait to get to their Facebook page. 
So, um, and on top of everything else, this this Chevy Vega story came from somebody who was not even close to a, a reliable narrator regarding Peggy and Patty's disappearances. So, uh, Joyce called me distraught. I didn't even know anything about it at the time. And I had to track down what she was talking about. And what I ended up telling her ended up being right. I told her, Joyce, you know, it's one of those bittersweet things. Yeah, in me and my position, does, does Joyce want this, you know, to happen? As, as we all know, uh, when missing people are found deceased, it's bittersweet. Whether it's Daniel Villarreal, Andrea Bowman, Zoe Campos, Matthew Braswell, we know uh, Tom Brown. We know it's bittersweet. So I'm in a position where, I, you know, am I supposed to be hoping that there's something here or am I supposed to be not hoping that something here? So I just took hope out of it and just looked at the facts and told her, Joyce, this just doesn't seem like anything to you. I don't know how you want to feel about it. You're obviously distraught and I understand that. But as far as whether you want this to be something or don't want it to be anything, I don't know. But it just doesn't seem to me to be anything. They found a car in a canal. That's the story. And I ended up being right. So these are the kind of things, once again, in my position that uh, I never could have predicted that I would be doing such things seven years ago when I started Unfound. I'm happy to do it. I like Joyce a lot. I'm glad I could be there for her. And I did call her. I called her actually again when I was driving down to Brad's and we had an additional conversation about it. And I also called her today to tell her, you know, that car got pulled out of the canal. And I was right. There's nothing in it. And it's just a car. You know, and even if they were to get the VIN off of it and prove that Ed Gross owned it or something, that still doesn't mean anything. All it means is there was nothing in it. There were no bones in it, nothing else. That's all that's important. Whether it's Ed Gross's, Ed Denzel's, or anybody else's, doesn't mean anything. If there aren't remains in it, it doesn't mean anything. So, but this goes back to like, once again, going back to Carly Russell. People getting engaged and believing things, and they have no business talking about it, believing it, or anything at all. Sunshine State Sonar, Adventures with Purpose, Chaos Divers, everything else, totally fine what you're doing. But when it comes to releasing information, how about you hold it back? Do you have to be so desperate on, you know, posting these things without even trying to contact a family member first? Do you really have to do that? I know this ended up being nothing. But obviously, you thought it was something because you posted about it. Now, you should know, um, how do I handle these things? You know, I get information. You know, we can, you know. And you have to remember, we've covered 20-some disappearances this year. Four of them have already been solved. And even in a situation where we found out that Brandon Roberts was alive and his mother... Um, you know, contacted me to tell me such, you know what my first question is when I get told, you know, how much of this can I say? You want me to say something? Can I tell the listeners? I'd like to tell the listeners, 
but would you like to kind of keep it out of the news for now? How do you want me to handle it? That's what I do. I'm not desperate of going to the printing press about, you know, um, news on something. My relationship with that guest, that family is more important to me than me rushing to Facebook to, you know, to type something out. But, I mean, I, I guess I'm being self-righteous here, but I'm the one who actually has a, you know, relationship with these people. And a lot of these diving companies do not. Maybe they should think about doing that. Maybe. So, uh, let me see. Um, everybody's talking. Yeah. Yeah, well, that Charlotte, that's not new news. That was going on on Saturday. And this is what I'm talking about, Charlotte. That was nothing. They shouldn't have posted anything about Peggy and Patty related to that at all. Zero. Zero. And dare I say, I'm sure that if we looked hard enough, we could find other people who went missing, you know, allegedly in Vegas. Once again, it is just alleged. There's no proof that Patty and Peggy were ever in a veg at the time of her dis their disappearances at all. Zero. So it should never um, have occurred. Never uh, occurred. Um, you also got Ocean Gate right implosion when the media was saying missing. Yeah, Lisa, maybe there's just too much information up in this head of mine. Veronica, she's surrounded by enablers. Let's take, oh, uh, Carly Russell, yes. People want to be sensational so they can be the first or only one that figures it out. I've been guilty of that too. Generally, the most likely and also the most probable. Thank you, Mark. Carrie thinks that a Pinto was worse than a Vega. I don't know about that. You, you know, at least Pintos had reliable engines and transmissions. Granted, they were prone to explode if you hit them in the back, but Vegas would go bad just all by themselves, just sit in a parking lot somewhere. Uh, are you traveling? Looks different in the background. Yes, uh, Valerie, I am at my father's in Pennsylvania. Uh, we miss Joyce, Carrie says. Uh, Carrie, I talked to her today. She's great. Tree, uh, I learned to drive a stick on a Pinto. I owned a, Leanne, I owned a Vega in 1972. Uh, Leanne, I'm glad you survived. And uh, just yesterday, Jill found some random TikToker post an age progression video of Paul. Shocked us both. Can't imagine what it would have done to Jess. Same with any other family. Yeah. Uh, Twinkle says everyone wants their six seconds of fame. Uh, to say they found evidence, yeah, it's gross. Families just want any kind of answer, even if a small something. Getting hopes up necessarily is maddening. Yep. Uh, you know, Joyce Rivetuzzo, dare I say it, if she's watching, you know, Joyce is not a, uh, a young woman, you know, and she, you know, she's had some health issues and things and everything. She doesn't need something like this, you know, and dare I say it, you know, kind of all of the, you know, the sensationalism that was going on with Tyler Stice in what was that 20, 2018 dare I say it, is the reason that Jessica Curtis committed suicide. You know. uh, at least Chaos Divers works with families not around them. So fortunate missing persons cases provide, so unfortunate the missing persons cases provide fodder for uninformed wannabe celebrities, Kathy says. 
Uh, Twinkle says, I'd love to have a Pinto. Oh, Twinkle. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man, this live has my BP rate, blood pressure racing tonight. I didn't intend to do that, Carrie. But so that's what I was dealing with this weekend. Don't mind it. Love, Joyce. I'm here from any of my guests like that. But what I don't like are other people giving me work that's un- that's that should never exist in the first place. No. If you're going to do this, all of you diving companies out there, then you you know you need to hear these people on the phone when they talk to me about how destruct they are. Moving on. Just a couple uh, unfound things, and then I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the Gilgo Beach serial killer, Long Island serial killer. Um, unfound now will be coming out, of course, within the next 10 days. And I'll, I'll try to get to it before um, I go back to Florida. We'll just have to see how that's going to come. I, have a, I haven't even told my assistants, and I'm not going to tell my assistants. I have a surprise coming up. A surprise episode. Um, I still have yet to put it all together and everything, but it just came to me within the last couple of days and think, ah, that's kind of a cool episode. Not sure when it's going to come out. I'm going to surprise you with all of it. I think you're, I, you know, I think that it'll be, um, it's not a kind of episode that I've done yet, but it kind of just popped into my mind. So be looking for that. Probably not going to happen until end of August, beginning of September. Of course, we have another update episode coming out at the end of August. We have the seventh anniversary episode uh, coming out the first Friday of September. So somewhere all in there somewhere, um, I'm going to spring a surprise episode on you. And... um, I hope, you know, of course, uh, I hope you will find it informative. But uh, so be looking for that once again. What's today? The 24th. It probably won't be within the next month, but still. Um, Before the week is over, at least before the weekend is over, this coming weekend, uh, the next found episode will be coming out. And as I've already posted for all of you, and of course, this is only for Patreon supporters, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. And um, for YouTube people, that uh, the next found episode will be the Ariel Castro kidnappings. So if that interests you, please sign up at patreon.com or hit the join button. If you're on YouTube, hit the join button down below to become a member if you'd like to listen to me uh, cover the you know, the disappearances happened, everything that went on in the meantime, and then how those women uh, were freed, were found and freed from him. Um, so there you go. Um, that'll be coming out uh, within, it'll have to be within the next week. Lisa, you are very, very generous. Thank you. Uh, birthday money. Uh, uh, Lisa, thank you very much. You are very, very generous. Thank you so much. Uh, I think Lisa is on YouTube. So she has hit the, um, I guess, the super chat button. 
And Lisa, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for supporting what we do here. And yes, my birthday is coming up next Tuesday. So there will be another live show before my birthday happens. And so all of you will get to uh, honor me next Tuesday. You do not have to do it tonight. <laughs> thank you once again, uh, Lisa. You're very generous. Also want to tell you that... Um, uh, you know, of course, Dr. Telesco is going to be starting up in uh, in September, and it does seem to me she's kind of changing the theme. It's going to be investigations with Dr. T. And so I hope if you are not yet a subscriber to the channel that she's on, please do that right now or after this live show is over. Um, but be looking out for that. And you should know that she and I have already, uh, reserved some time. I'm going to appear on her new show a couple times this coming uh, fall. And in fact, one of those, I will be appearing in person again. Also, I uh, had a meeting with my assistant, Eric, today about how to podcast better than anyone. Probably some change is going to be coming to that. Maybe you want to go check that out at howtopodcastbetterthananyone.teachable.com. Probably be talking a lot more about that um, when I, once I get back to Florida. You know, when I'm here in Pennsylvania, just I don't have as much free time as I do there. Luckily, the, po the, the podcast, the, the Friday episodes are getting done. Um, but any of this, you know, other stuff, hard to devote a lot of time to it. All right, moving on. Um, let's talk about um, – just want to read a little bit. So I'm not even going to read this article necessarily, but they are now looking at the possibility with Rex Hoorman, of course, this guy who um, is now in custody. Where they believe that he's the Gilgo Beach serial killer. Some people call him the Long Island serial killer. He has uh, been charged with um, some deaths, uh, some murders. Uh, of course, these women who were found near where he lived, you all know about that. But then and now looking at it, uh, investigators are looking into unsolved murder cases nationwide for a possible connection with the Manhattan architect charged in the Gilgo Beach serial, Beach serial killings, authorities in Suffolk County, New York said, after it was discovered that he had ties to Las Vegas, Atlantic City, and South Carolina. I understand that his brother lives in South Carolina, and his brother is a real piece of work. Uh, Rex Hoorman, and this would have been Las Vegas when I was living there. Rex Hoorman was charged Friday with three counts of first-degree murder, and three counts of second-degree murder in the deaths of Melissa Bar Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello. The remains were of the women were all discovered in December 2010. Um, investigators are looking into unsolved murder cases. Yeah. Um, why is this copied? A spokesman for the Suffolk County Police Department said that among the cases being investigated are the deaths of four sex workers in Atlantic City in 2006. The spokesperson, however, noted that in the past, investigators seen no connections between the killings and those in Gilgo Beach. Atlantic City Police directed questions to the county prosecutor's office 
Las Vegas Metro um, said it was also reviewing their unsolved cases to see if Rex had any involvement. And they were aware of Thurman's connection with the city. He had a timeshare there. Um, And uh, in South Carolina, the Chester County Sheriff's Office said it had been asked by the Gilgo Beach, Beach Task Force to gather evidence related to the case. The FBI also conducted a court-authorized search on property in the area that belongs to a relative of Hoorman. Um, Rex's uh, Chevrolet Avalanche was a key piece of evidence in cracking the long unsolved killings. Um, and uh, during the search for Gilbert, um, I want to get down to the Las Vegas part of this. Hold on. They're looking that he, now there was a woman who went missing when I lived in Las Vegas. Her name is Jessica Taylor. Now you should know that she is one of these missing women. It's now known that she was murdered, but I'll get to that in a second. But I can remember, and I, you know, maybe if you can even go back and listen to that Jesse Foster episode, I think it was the third episode I ever did, that I talked about living in Las Vegas at the time and remembering when Jesse Foster went missing when I lived there. And how they wanted to connect her to this other woman, Jessica Taylor, and a couple other women thinking that maybe they're all connected some way. I would now say that they're probably not. I think that Jesse Foster uh, disappeared all on her own, not connected to these other women. But the thing about Jessica Foster is she was another prostitute in Las Vegas. And eventually her legs were found off an interstate. Was it in Illinois or Indiana? Somewhere in there. And then through DNA, it was finally determined that this was these were the legs of Jessica Taylor. And how did she get from Las Vegas out to like the Midwest, almost the eastern United States? Well, the thinking regarding trying to connect Rex Hurman to all of this is that, well, you know, if he drove to Las Vegas, this would have been the highway that he would have been on. So, and I guess they could somehow look into this and prove that he might have been in Las Vegas at the time that Jessica Taylor went missing. So maybe there's something to this. I really don't know. Here's what I know. I don't think Rex Herman caused Jesse Foster's disappearance. Uh, there's nothing that I've seen uh, to put, uh, you know, that all together at all. So, and it makes all the sense in the world. This guy obviously had a, a prostitution thing going on. It does seem, to, it sounds like he travels. And uh, we have to think that his killing urges only existed. We cannot think that his killing urges only existed when he lived in New York. We have to be open to the idea that anywhere he went, that um, he might think about doing this. And we also have to be open to that because it seems that when he would get involved with these women and then eventually kill them is when he wasn't around his wife. And so if he was going on these trips to South Carolina, to Atlantic City, to Las Vegas without his wife, then that really does raise the possibility that he could have met up with prostitutes through Craigslist or wherever else and killed them there. I, I think it's, uh, 
you know, it's something to look into. I don't know how likely it is. Once again, uh, murders really aren't my thing. Serial killers really aren't my thing either. But um, maybe there's something to it. Maybe. Um, let me uh, see what everybody is uh, saying. Once again, Lisa, thank you very much. Um, oops, one more show into your birthday. I like being early. That's okay. Lisa, uh, one of the rules I have for my life is I do accept birthday presents early. So it's all good. Uh, Sheree, uh, thank you uh, for posting uh, Dr. Telesco's YouTube channel, Sheree. So crazy, the more things that come out about this guy. Yep. Marty, I wonder how much is viable versus grasping for straws regarding Rex Ferguson. I don't know. I think it's worth it. You know, uh, you know, I don't know how much it can hurt to kind of look into this. Uh, I, in fact, the way I think about it, I think the odds are ac- actually pretty decent that he probably did kill at least one woman outside of the New York State area. Um, Stacy says, I believe he's been doing it a long time. Lisa put a heart. Thank you, Lisa. Hey, Rockford, there you are. What's going on, Rockford? Good to see you. Uh, what do you think about a Shannon Gilbert, Joseph Brewer, Michael Pack connection to Hurman? Please consistent on calling her death accidental, but there are a lot of factors suggesting otherwise. I'm going to tell you, Rockford, once again, I'm not an expert uh, on this. I, I realize maybe some of you have uh, followed this much more closely than I have. You know, I, I kind of, kind of, uh, it's like... Um, you know, boning up for a test in, in college, you know, you kind of read very, 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 a lot of information before I come to this camera. Um, I will tell you, Rockford, that I'm not convinced that Shannon Gilbert was murdered. Uh, I think that this is just some type of weird, uh, I guess it's lucky. You know, she goes missing in that area and they happen upon all these dead bodies. These things happen, as you know, Rockford, they're quite, 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 quite rare. Um, but I guess statistically, they have to happen at least once in a while. You go searching for one thing, you find another. Although I will say, going back to the Patty and Peggy McDaniel uh, bit, it seems like a stretch to me, you know, to put that all together. But I will tell you, Rockford, that given that we've covered so many disappearances on Unfound, where we're somewhat sure that somebody did uh, was having some sort of bad trip or some sort of mental episode that the person, man or woman, ran off. You know, I can't help but think that that's what happened to Shannon Gilbert as well. And that what happened to her was just you know, dumb luck that it led to all of these women's bodies. That's where I am right now. Um, you know, I, once again, Joseph Brewer, Michael Pack, and I, you know, the names are vaguely familiar to me, but I'm just telling you that when I heard about Shannon Gilbert, however long ago that it was, even well before I started Unfound, it just, you know, struck me as, um, a woman who might have gotten, being that she was going out there for some sort of prostitution, maybe to get through it, she took some drugs and had a bad trip and ran off. That's me. Say, yeah, I don't think she was murdered. Rockford, and so many things 
would have to fall in line for him to be responsible. I believe the only connection is Shannon helped uh, find the Vix of this monster. Okay. She said something was after her, which could be paranoia or not. Odd things happen along the water, but it's pretty hard to just trip and fall down in shallow uh, water. I'm torn. Well, you know, um, you know, Rockford, if she passed out, then all, you know, only need, all you need is an inch of water to drown. So I just, don't know. All I know is, given 300 disappearances now, I think a woman running off into the woods and dying all on her own is a very, very, it's it's a kind of disappearance. That's what I would say about it. And it's not that rare. It's, it's a common one. So, no. And it doesn't matter if, um, you know, the woman is old or young, is a prostitute or anything else. Now, if the facts were different, if we were to find out that she was found, you know, if, you know, a lot of her possessions uh, were in the house and it, there was proof that maybe drinks had been poured or something like that, you know, and, you know, and there were visible, you know, I guess... Were there markings on her body that could be connected to murder? But it's always seemed to me that this was just, uh, you know, a runaway, a walk-off. The terrain over there is bad. She could have easily fallen off a dune, broke her neck. Yeah, Marty, I know you're, you live right in that area. So, Marty, you would know about that better than I would. It just seems viable. It's not, I don't think that her believing that Shannon Gilbert ran off and died all on her own. That's certainly not an outlandish theory. I think it's, I think it makes a lot of sense. So there you go. So that's, um, so they're looking at the Long Island serial killer, Gilgo Beach serial killer, to see if he could be connected to uh, murders elsewhere. I think it's a, a worthy pursuit. Uh, Deborah says her driver was following her. Yeah, that does seem vaguely familiar to me, Deborah. now that you write that. I want to uh, read this question. It comes from former guest uh, of the program, Kelly. Of course, she was the guest uh, for the Brian Schaefer episode. And I did post, I did put a request out for questions tonight. Let's see if I got any more. Um, would not want to end this um, live show tonight. You know, I don't want to miss anybody's questions. Okay. Uh, Kelly asked me, I know you are like me when it comes to the cases we cover and they all impact us, but which one keeps you up at night feeling like you missed something? You know, I wouldn't put, you know, I, you know, I don't, uh, put superlatives on these disappearances. Um, but you know, really none, none of them really keep me up at night. I just wish they were all solved. Um, there are certainly ones that to this day, no matter how many questions you ask and no matter how many guests you get and how smart they are, that, you know, seem to make sense at all. Um, you know, maybe Joshua Guimans might come into that. And I've often said, I think that if we were to, and I have no plans to do that and it's just not what I do. I'm not going to go redo do an entire episode but i think that if you know un, 
you know, in an alternate timeline, probably the coverage of uh, Joshua Guimond's disappearance would be different. You know, maybe that bugs me a little bit. Um, but I don't know. Uh, you know, I feel like I missed something. Uh, you know, Kelly, um, I just try to ask the best questions that I can. And I suppose there's, you know, if I went back and listened to every episode, every interview I ever did, yeah, I'm sure there'd be at least one question that I that I figured out that I missed. You know, for whatever reason. Um, but I, I'm also, after, all, you know, coming up on Disappearance 300, I realize that there's only so many questions that you can ask. Sometimes people just don't know anything. I'm not saying they're dumb. It's just there's just no more facts to get. And so it, it's not like I feel like I missed something because there's really nothing to get. Um, maybe the, the only thing that really, uh, as I, and I've brought this up before, the thing that really sticks with me kind of in my craw is Eric Franks's disappearance. He, of course he has not been found, but you know, maybe it's just hindsight 2020, but if I had known that Gerald Rutledge guy, I had been uh, being cared for by Kendra and I knew the car was missing. I think I would have noticed that the garage door on Jared Rutledge's home had changed. It went from a door with windows in it to the door with no windows in it. And that would have caught my attention. Just, just the way I am. So Kelly, that kind of eats at me, but that really would not have changed anything because well, it certainly would have changed it. Hey, maybe somebody should go check that house out before Gerald Rutledge dies. Maybe. But Kendra was already dead at that time. So um, I wouldn't have changed anything for her. But maybe Gerald Rutledge could have been questioned before he just, you know, died. And the car would have been found in his garage. And maybe he would have been in, in, in enough good, you know, had a mental state in which you could have asked him, you know, what was going on back at that time, you know, um, but that's something that I missed, I guess. And it does uh, bother me uh, a little bit, Kelly. Um, let me see what everybody's saying here. Um, yeah, yeah, Long Island, I miss it in Florida now. Yeah, Deborah, I'm always one for the easy explanation, especially when drugs are involved. It's just in Gilbert's case. There's a lot going on, so I can't rule out something else. Uh, you know, I'm not ruling out anything, Rockford. Uh, it just seems to me that her running off makes the most sense. Uh, and I guess what we're also saying is that um, if she was murdered, she was certainly not murdered like those other women because they could prove that those other women were murdered, but they can't prove that Shannon Gilbert was murdered. So it seemed like the modus operandi was different. Um Lisa says, your questions and follow-up questions are better than police interviews of suspects and murder cases. Okay, Lisa, thank you very much. I'll take that compliment. Stacy, no, um, y'all, I'm out. Okay, Carrie, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, Deborah says, Rockford, I had my thoughts that the driver may be involved too. But like you say, so much happening with Gilbert case, anything is possible. You know, I would say that it's, it's, it's very much like a standard one of those cases where you have... 
uh, a person making bad choices in her life. Men do it too. And she's probably into drugs and everything else. And then the person goes missing and you have a lot of different choices. You go like Noah Davis is one that comes to mind. Uh, I got 10 minutes left. So that's my answer, Kelly. Not sure I answered your question, but that's the best I can do. Um, there was a follow-up on that body at Berkeley. Remember several months ago, there was a body that was actually found in a building on the University of California, Berkeley campus. Well, that person has now finally been identified. Allow me to read the story to you. A skeleton found in an unoccupied building near UC Berkeley was identified as the body of Stephen Lawrence McCreary. And his death was ruled a homicide. So they found a murdered body on the Berkeley campus. The McCreary, who would have been 50 today, didn't have any known affiliations with the California University or home in the area, making his death that much more puzzling. McCreary was a Texas native, last seen alive in 2009. And remember, this body was just found within the last year. He was known to travel around the country, sometimes by train or hitchhiking, according to police, who said he did spend some time in the San Francisco Bay Area. That's the closest link law enforcement has to the unoccupied building as a, at a residential hall complex and event space where McCreary's remains were found in January. The building is about a mile from the UC Berkeley's main Bay Area campus. But how he died and ended up in an empty campus building is perplexing as it is scary. Forensics and other evidence indicates the death occurred many years ago. So then what do you believe? Was the body, the dead, murdered body there for many years? Or was it murdered back then and then somebody moved it over there recently? This is really weird. Based on the condition of the bones analyzed by the Alameda County Coroner's Office, McCreary's death is a homicide. Now, you should know, look them up, McCreary was not on the Charlie Project. McCreary was not on NamUs either. So there's that. Um, now, the reason, of course, this caught Unfound's attention, I think that was a mosquito that just bit me, Um there was, uh, you know, something out there. Of course, we've covered a few disappearances in the San Francisco area. Jackson Miller, right? Cameron Remmer. Of course, very recently, Sean Dickerson. Um, Mandy Stokes. Uh, Krista Monteferi, you know, to name a few. Um, you know, there's an idea, could this be one of them? Maybe not Cameron Remmer's. Or maybe Sean Dickerson's. But maybe these others. Um, and it doesn't end up being any of them, but that's why it caught my attention at the time. Um, at the time I'd spoken to Dennis Mann, who was the guest for the Kristen Monteferi episode, you know, he was, you know, and wasn't sure what gender the body was or anything, but he was thinking it wasn't, I was thinking it was, you know, it wasn't any of the disappearances that Unfound has covered and we ended up, uh, being right. But as I wrote in my notes, I'm still confused on how the body could be there in a building on campus and it not, I mean, what is going on there? I mean, really, what is going on there? Um, uh, yeah, Shree, if you're still in there, I think we have somebody to block here. 
Um, there you go. I'll get it, Cherie. <laughs> yeah, we had to get rid of that. Um, yep, troll, why be rude? Well, the troll. Uh, Stacy asked me, are you going to CranCon, Stacy? Um, no. Uh, I'm not a big crime con fan, just in general. Um, you know, it turns it uh, too much into true crime, into entertainment. And uh, that's not really what I do. Um, you know, I have to admit, and I realize some of you go there, you have a great time, and I'm kind of a party pooper. But really, my attitude is that true uh, crime con has no place uh, that, uh, you know, my feeling is it should not exist. It should not exist. And that's why you'll never see me there. It, it You know, it's entertainment. You know, you know, people go there once again to schmooze and, and all of these things. Uh, I'm just not into that. I, I think that the what we do here. Uh, does not lend itself to that kind of atmosphere. You know, I, you know, um, me, Stacy. you know where I want to go. I want to go to college campuses and talk to criminal justice majors. Um, and uh, my opinion is not too many true crime people want to do that. Whereas that, that's kind of where my passion is. My passion is talking to all of you, talking, you know, you know, um, in constructive ways about disappearances and things. And I just don't think the, the company that runs that is an event company. It's an entertainment company. It's not a news company. Um, and the very second, if it ever happens, the true crime is less popular. True crime con won't exist anymore. Even though all these people will still be missing and there will still be problems in the world regarding crime and everything. They'll shut it down because they're not making any money at it. So I just, so yeah. So, but once again, not to be a party pooper and rain on anybody's parade if you've gotten your tickets and everything else, but that's why you're never going to see me there. And I realize what people go there for marketing reasons and everything else, uh, but my opinion is also that too many people go there just to have their butts kissed. So there's that. Um, so there you go, Stacy. I've never been. Mandy Stokes, Rick Rockford says, another odd Oakland Berkeley disappearance from early 2000s. But I think about that when I find a body in the area. Right in the middle of the phone call, the phone goes dead. But she's in her car. She goes missing. Her car's found down the street. I'm inclined to believe that her bo- brother did something to her, Rockford, but uh, I respect that, Ed. Uh, thank you, Lisa, though I would love to meet you. I have nothing against meeting anybody. Uh, I love to meet listeners, but not in that atmosphere. Not in, my, not in that atmosphere. All right, let's move on to this Friday's disappearance. We're going to Columbus, Georgia. Not Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Georgia, for the disappearance of Joel Akeridge, A-K-R-I. D-G-E. His sister, Patricia Kuntz, is the guest. And Joel uh, had a learning disability. 
He was into his 50s, but had the mental uh, capabilities of some uh, of a human who would be very young. But he lived there uh, in the same house with his sister, Patricia, her husband, his, uh, their brother, and uh, his grandmother, or his, his, their mother. And Joel was kind of, you know, friendly and die. He, like, he would go out and go for walks. Everybody in the neighborhood knew him. He'd walk down to the store. Well, one day Joel left the house uh, for his usual trip on a Saturday and never came back. And not only that, because of a weird series of events that went on at his house on that day, nobody realized that he didn't return until 29 hours later. And this happened on March 28th, 2015. So another 2015. So this happened just like a week or 10 days before Betty Tepfer went missing. That was not planned, both in 2015, in March into April of 2015. The episode, uh, the name of it is called The Dark Time. And uh, the reason it's called that is because not only are there emotional um, consequences, you know, things that happen to these families emotionally, but a lot of physical things happen too when these disappearances happen. And in particular, there are so many things bad that, that went on after Joel went missing in this family. It got very, very dark in their family. So, and also I'm using it because Patricia, during her interview, uh, uses the phrase dark time many times. So Joe Acreage, A-K-R-I-D-G-E, Columbus, Georgia, March 28th, 2015, his sister Patricia Kuntz, and this is another one where I, like Mary Kelly from last week, um, Patricia, I've known her for a while, and we finally got around to doing an interview, and it's spectacular. It's a long episode, and the title of it is The Dark Time. So um, that's all I have for you tonight uh, for this live show. Another successful streaming um, uh, use of StreamYard. Please uh, like this. Give it a thumbs up on YouTube or on Facebook. And as the overlay say, if you'd like to, if you enjoy this content on this live show, go to paypal.me forward slash unfound podcast. And you will hear me on Friday for the disappearance of Joel Acreage. It's uh, it's a very complicated disappearance. I'm telling you that right now. I'm going to have to do a, a map video. I hope you will check it out. Good night, everyone. Thank you for joining in. Had a great time tonight. Had a lot of viewers. And um, I hope you all have a beautiful, beautiful week. Good night, everyone. And Charlie, say hi to the kids for me. And Cherie, thank you for monitoring. Good night.